Let's get educated. That's why we're here, to bring you the stories impacting K-12 classrooms and college campuses. It's time for a little education. Welcome one, welcome all. I am Katie Patrick, joined by Mr. David Fiorazzo. Now, all week, we've been letting you know that we are starting to build up our presence on Twitter. The and Twitter. The Twitter. We've just received that beautiful, lovely blue check mark. It means we're real people. We are not bots. So those of you who like to hang out in Twitterverse, please give us a follow by searching for Freedom Project. We post full episodes and some clips throughout the week. So again... All you have to do to find us is simply search Freedom Project on Twitter. Give us a little follow. We'd appreciate it. So, as colleges have switched from virtual classes to on-campus lectures, you know, like in the good old days, we have professors who are being forced to lower student expectations as a response to what they say are generational learning differences and overall laziness. I'm going to defer to the latter on that one. Okay. I'm going to say it's the latter. All right, so... It's not a headline in any sense to say that schools or classes are lowering expectations. It's, not, it's just it's like, you know, 1980s, 70s, 80s, uh, 90s, and it brings us up to today. They have lowered the expectations in education overall. But this reason for it, for pandemic era students. So they're blaming the pandemic. And I, it's amazing we're talking about this two years after the COVID. The COVID. The COVID. It's, I picked that up from you. Ha-ha. The Twitter, the, the COVID. Twitter. The. Um, all right. So students are recovering from a, quote, hangover, because college students can relate to that word, right? Hangover. That is true. Hangover from virtual school. Some Pittsburgh area universities, and I'm sure it's not just Pittsburgh, they're responding with shorter tests, looser policies around attendance and deadlines and important things like that, important things like obeying rules on campus. Um, some instructors are lowering expectations, which again is not a headline, for students' mental health as a response to uh, generational differences. But others say that continuing remote learning does a disservice to students. Well, in those habits, it's the habits of the remote learning. That's what's doing the disservice. Explain that. And here, here's the, 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 what they were able to do during the pandemic is because no one wanted to offend anyone. No one, everyone worried about everyone. Oh, I just want you to be healthy and happy. And it's good to be reflective upon that. But you can't continue in a society for a society to be successful in that state of mind where it's like, right. Oh, just do it whenever you feel like it, or it'll be okay. Whenever you know, whatever. This is not just at the high school. We've seen it obviously in the K twelve system too, yeah. and the college. Guess what? It is in the workplace too. It's in the workplace fierce, where people think, oh, during pandemic era, I could just I could work from home. I could work virtually. I got all my work done. No, you didn't. There's always more to be done. Right. And so now it's, oh, I'm coming in late. I'm leaving early. I need this day off. I, I for my own mental health, need all of these things. <laughs> I deserve it. And so we've carried it over. And it, so I understand completely where these professors, the ones who are actually wanting to teach the students who are on campus, ready to disperse said knowledge. And they are looking at students who have this hangover from either their virtual high school that they just finished or even the first two years, because now you're looking at the freshmen and sophomores in college who were during part of this era of the pandemic era. So 
I, I can see why they're like, well, we have to lower the standards because they're beating their head up against a wall otherwise. Yeah, it's, um, it's interesting. And I think of all the things that students can do, even if a teacher is allegedly or supposedly teaching a class online and the students are at home or wherever on their laptops and they're watching, they're watching the students. You could be gaming, right? The, 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 you could be gaming on your own computer. The camera's looking at you and you could be, anyway. Um, back to the article, that was just my thought. The, the many things you could be doing while you're, spo plus, how do they do tests? The student, how do you know the students didn't cheat on their tests yeah, when precisely. they're virtual Well, and especially learning. for these institutions that are not set up for this, they were thrown into it, so they didn't have the infrastructure to be able to catch kids if they were cheating or, or whatnot. And so some of the things that we're finding specifically for, for what's happening with um, some Pittsburgh professors and talking about how they need the extra tutoring sessions and like all, all the things that we need to go through to try to get these kids <laughs> who aren't kids, they're technically adults, back on track. Um, math department, a professor named Jeffrey Wheeler, he said he's seen some unsettling lack of engagement among the students, like, you know, we're talking about, right? Where yep. they're just sitting in there, right? We have Chatham University, who says they haven't even reinstated their attendance or deadline policies because they had to drop it during the pandemic. So, like, what you're saying and what all these, these things, we're talking about how these kids have performance anxiety, they can't exist in a real world anymore. They can't just, hey, this is going to be tough, and just buckle down and do it and, and, and learn from that experience of what it feels like to be stressed out, but, like, persevere and do your best and try. No, no, we can't even let them experience that anymore because of their social and emotional oh, learning gosh. needs. Oh, I knew you had to throw that, throw that in there. Um, so it's interesting. It's it's lack of engagement. So let's lower the standards. <laughs> that's not, that's not a solution. Yes. In the, what's, what we are going to see very, very quickly here as the older generations who are like, well, we got to lower the standards for them. We'll take care of it. We'll be the ones to do the things. They're going to be gone. And then the ones who never learned how to do it will be left. And who are they going to now turn to? Oh, wait. Daddy government? Technology, computers, AI bots, real humans will not be doing what humans have been doing for centuries anymore. It will be, it will be completely turned off because we continue to just lower the standards more and more until there's going to be nothing left. Lower the standards. And so the results, obviously, if you lower the standards as have been lowered for 50 years in different ways, then what are the results going to be? What are you, what are you, teaching for? What are you testing for? And here's a question, Katie, I'll let you answer. Is, is a college degree going to be worth what it was worth like 25, 50 years ago? Is that no, worth anything anymore? It's not. And, and a lot of companies are starting to wake up to this. And we've seen this happen where, oh, you graduated from Harvard. That doesn't mean what it used to mean. You, at this point, a lot of universities, especially even the Ivy Leagues, what, what used to be of value, companies are saying, well, we know how, what the standards are at Harvard. We know that you don't have to take the SAT, ACT, or anything to get in anymore. You, they just let anyone who's willing to go on their, basically pay them role, uh, to come on in because, oh, they're going to collect the money. So that piece of paper that you collect at the end of that now five, six years <laughs> is not worth the hundred, $200,000 you just paid for it. Even if you get some of it's, your loan forgiven. Yeah, we don't have a, we don't have a gold standard anymore yeah. in this country in many a ways. Yeah. 
All right, still to come, Pennsylvania's newest governor has just signed an executive order removing the requirement of a four-year college degree for more than 90% of government jobs. And we're talking about that next. So it's kind of like what we were talking about. Yes. Nice segue. So it's not just our students who are having these different expectations kind of placed upon them. Now, Pennsylvania's new governor, Josh Shapiro, has issued an executive order that removes four-year degrees from 92% of government jobs. Oh, my goodness. 92%. Wow. Because it's talking about government jobs specifically, it's kind of like, well, depending on the job, did you need one ever anyway? But... That's neither here nor there for the moment. Shapiro stated that this initiative will open approximately 65,000 jobs in the state to those without college education. And he announced this, of course, on Twitter. Where else would you announce it? Uh, It said that the Shapiro administration is not, we are not wasting a second. Look at him just signing away. How fancy these photo ops. Did the person who took that photo have a college degree? That's the question we are all wondering. Now, as the executive order actually states, the Commonwealth is committed to increasing economic opportunity for all people of Pennsylvania by creating new pathways to public employment. The new policy is the first step in modernizing the Commonwealth's hiring model to a model focused on skill, ah, right. competency, of course, and practical experience right. rather than just educational background and will emphasize equivalent experience needed in lieu of a college degree wherever possible. Okay, it says it right there. Well, Katie, what would be the practical experience that would prepare a youngster for a government job? <laughs> what yeah. would? There are many a joke written practice, right in there. Practical there are many a joke experience. written in there. Cheating, <laughs> social justice activism. Well, and this, uh, so this will be the actual question. Corruption. When they actually say these things, okay, like okay. he put it out there, like, oh, it's going to be based on you know skill, competency, practical experience. <laughs> That used to be what getting into college took was some sort of merit, but we've been told merit is not allowed anymore because it's racist and sexist and somehow it's homophobic. There's a lot of things. So you can't base anything on merits, but he, he put it in there. Not even government Skill. jobs. <laughs> so we're, we're going to actually have to see what really truly happens here in Pennsylvania, yeah. but it's not, I mean, Pennsylvania is just the latest in, there's been a string of states who have announced kind of similar plans about eliminating these uh, college degree requirements. Now, here's the deal. This is, if you're a blue collar worker, this is amazing news. And I say blue collar of like actual people who actually do good work. Uh, the ones who tend to have gone out into the workforce right out of high school and are making good living like wages for their family right now, they're going to look at this job and be like, well, I could go to a government job, which probably will pay you. It's a government job. They're going to get paid decently well as well. And, and they're going to have maybe really good health insurance. They're going to have a great pension, yeah. <laughs> more than likely. So it's going to be interesting to see if there are going to be blue-collar workers who decide, oh, I'm going to go get a government job because a little bit more benefits. Or is it really not going to make a, a lick of difference in terms of who is seeking out these degrees? Or not degrees, seeking out these jobs. Hmm. So fascinating. But some of the other states that have already done this, Maryland, they announced uh, last year to remove degree requirements from a multitude of the state jobs in customer service, IT, and administrative tracks. In Utah, just right at the end of the year, Governor Spencer Cox said that they were dropping the degree. Uh, He said, 
that eliminating bachelor's degree requirements will broaden access to qualified talent and expand employment opportunities to attract diverse candidates, including underrepresented groups. A degree should not be the only way to get a good paying job or oh. have a fulfilling future. Wait, so you're also saying things should be based more on merit. Is merit making a comeback? I don't think so. Oh. But higher education fellow Nicholas Giordano argues that as four-year institutions continue to push a far-left agenda, true, students are not learning the practical skills needed in the workplace. And so that takes us right back to the beginning of the article where they are now lowering expectations for, what was it, 92% of government jobs. Well, they're, yeah, they're removing... Oh, wait a minute. Lowering or removing expectations? Removing the four-year degrees. <laughs> okay, the four-year degree. So let's, let's lower expectations. No, no degree required. Well, here's what we, we've learned today is that as colleges are having to lower expectations for all the students because they can't do the things, and now you don't need a college degree to get a job, what does that tell you about <laughs> the worth of a college degree anymore? Oh, boy. The expectations are that low. And then you can get a government job and not need that piece of paper anymore. Anyway, coming up, we have a taxpayer-funded study from the Medical College of Wisconsin and how they will now fight diabetes and structural racism among African Americans by giving them money to learn about their own bad habits. We're going to see where this takes us. Today's show is sponsored by our friends at MyPillow. Save up to 66% on pristine quality bedding towels, slippers, signature pillows, and much more when you use the code EDUCATED. That's E-D-U-C-A-T-E-D, -E EDUCATED. Support this show and a great American company. Well, to fight di diabetes, we are now told to give black people money to learn about health and their structural Racism. What? Structural racism. Wait. Yes, yes, yes. It's a what thing. What does that have it's to do with diabetes? It's a, it's, a, it's a thing. We're going to talk about it. We okay. have the Medical College of Wisconsin, which is based in Milwaukee, and Ugh. they're going to fight diabetes among African Americans by giving them money to learn about health. Okay? okay. The money is coming through a grant by the National Institutes of Health in the amount of $138,197 for this fiscal year with an ongoing study to end in November of 2026. Professor Jeanette Campbell is the one who is going to lead the project and teaches at the Milwaukee Medical School. Campbell says uh, she's going to use a cash transfer program that supplements basic income conditional on performing certain health-related activities, such as attending health education classes or completing preventative care recommendations. And her study will also use an unconditional payment system as the control variable. So it's going to be interesting to see what actually happens when you're talking about the, the actual handing over of the money to these people and who's going to really use the education yeah. and who's the unconditional like control variable of like not having to actually do anything. I was wondering now, about that. Now, as the grant summary states, a key factor that is emerging as a significant contributor to poor health outcomes for African-Americans is structural racism. A component of structural racism is historical redlining and restrictive covenants that has forced AAs, as it says, to live in less than optimal neighborhoods in inner cities of most urban areas. Okay, so the recipients in the conditional group are going to get paid to participate in nurse-led virtual diabetes education, skills training, and stress coping 
intervention. Jeez. That's interesting. Okay. So the <laughs> argument on some of these, um, people say it's actually, this is at least one way. If you're going to try and get better health outcomes with various groups, and if you're basing it on race, especially African-Americans with diabetes, you're always trying to educate them. And you're not just saying, hey, here's money because you're black and it's structural racism. They're actually trying to do at least the health education part, which okay. is better than other options. I'm not saying it's good overall because the fact that you're putting this out there as a structural racism thing is... It's under the umbrella yeah. of DEI or CRT or something. Yeah, so what they're saying, and this is... Here's a title for you, by the way. This person uh, Right, right, right. The National Institute of Diabetes and Digestive and Kidney Diseases Public Liaison. Wow. That's a title. She has two business cards just for the title. Basically, just in front and back, right? Her name <laughs> is actually Alyssa Voss. Uh, she said that one of the NIDDK's strategic scientific goals is to advance the understanding of biological pathways and environmental con contributors to health and disease. And she said the government agency funds research that examines the links between biology, behavior, and the environment, including social determinants of health and structural factors that contribute to disease, heterogeneity, and health disparities. All a long way of saying, at least it's not just racism. Oh, it's racism. Like the person is black, racism. I like that they at least said they're looking at any links between behavior and environment and biology, mm -hmm. not just doing a lump sum. So. There's a little bit of actual science, hopefully, that I, the way I, what I took from this is there's actual some science going into this. Some. Some. So, at least we got that going on. Yeah, I'm good for the people that this is going to help, but I'm always, first of all, the Medical College of Wisconsin in Milwaukee, but I'm always skeptical, and we should be, when you're talking about anything related to the United Nations or the National Institutes of Health, the NIH, um, you know, I just, uh, yeah, yeah, that's, that's you know what where I mean. We're, yeah, that's where we're at. But it's just, hey, now you know more about it. And you can look into uh, the actual grant if you want to read out the whole thing. <laughs> Get to it. <laughs> but we have more important things on this show, like the latest Babylon Bee headlines, which are coming up next. Yes. If you have a smartphone, tablet, Roku, or Apple TV, consider downloading the Freedom Project media app. It's 100% free and includes all of our weekly shows, plus lecture series, archive programs, and award-winning animated videos for families like the Presidential Minute, Battles of America, and Heroes of the West. Don't rely on the social media giants to keep you informed. Simply download the Freedom Project media app from your app store and allow notifications. And we'll let you know when a new video is ready. All right, before we wrap this up for today, let's take a look at everyone's favorite satire site, The Babylon Bee. Here are this week's top five Babylon Bee headlines. Well, as always, we've picked our favorite headlines and we'll now decide which one should be named Queen of the Hive. We start with Hillary Clinton boasts of having no classified documents from her time as president. Next. Pence turns himself in to childhood scoutmaster after discovering he accidentally kept not tying manual. Next, 
after Priest exercises all demons from her home, Pelosi becomes a Republican. And next, unemployment among talking candies hits record high under Biden administration. Finally, due to food shortages, Cheesecake Factory cuts menu down to only 32 pages. So, Katie, I know which one is mine. Ooh, ooh, you go first then. Well, wait a minute. Let me let, let me get back the. Um, um, well, it's, it's got to go with the, the priest exorcism at Pelosi's house. Yes, yes. She, this is it, you. You exorcise the demons, which we have often referred to as demoncrats, because of their platform. Their platform is anti-Christian, anti-God, anti. I don't know, common sense, sanity. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. there are some demonic influence in, in some of like aborting babies and pushing this gender surrender ideology. So yeah, there are some demons involved here, but exercising them from Pelosi's house. Okay, get all the demons out. Now she'll become a Republican. Well, but, I thought that was funny. But for those who don't know, because that story got kind of like, hmm, suppressed. I wonder why. Nancy Pelosi actually, being the good Catholic she is, yeah. had a priest come over to her house to exercise the demons, like this, have perform an exorcism, right? And so, because of what happened to her husband, who now that video is out and whatever, the fact, though, that it said, you can all hate me if you want, that she's going to become a Republican, that doesn't, that doesn't make it any better. Maybe it would have been that she's going to, you know want to save babies now and not say hey instead we're going to continue you know yeah she says we'll we'll stop sacrificing babies Babies. on the altar of choice i would have if it was me having that headline being able to write you know babylon b call me up if you need a little help there but i would have said something more about instead of becoming a republican that she would you know it still made you laugh though want to open a daycare or something like that she would oh it definitely made me laugh though okay so what was your favorite (laughs) the very first one (laughs) got me going because it it just combines so many things number one hillary clinton never ever 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 was or is going to be president of the united states so it's like ha 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 but also she's the one that kicked off this whole thing about being out in the public and having all of the emails the secret server server with all her stuff on it and oops oh what happened to him i don't know (laughs) can you say above the law anyone they don't even even put her and law in the same sentence Above the law, but it's interesting. Wasn't she president though in the early '90s? Because oh yes, didn't exactly. at one point when when uh, someone was was it the meat? No, it wasn't the media. It could have been a conservative outlet that came after her husband. And wasn't the, I'm paraphrasing a quote? Didn't she say something like, "They can't do this to us. We're the president." Oh, probably. She said, "We're the president." She said that. I'll have to her consult her, her documentary on herself and her oh. autobiography and her children's books and what. She's, she can go away now at any time. She can just go away. Move along now. Move, Move along. Do you think she'll run next year? I mean, oh, in 2024? No. No. I'm kidding. Oh, stop. I'm kidding. Stop it. Do you think that ship has sailed hmm. in our we'll wacky world? We have no idea. We'll have to see what actually happens. <sighs> but anyway, Babylon B overall, good this week. Yep. I think overall, solid effort. I laughed at all of them. So it was a, a much <laughs> more difficult choice than I've had in past yeah, Katie's, Katie's becoming the Babylon Bee critic, but she's always entertained because you don't look at them before we do them on the show, right? No, Did I you never guys see know them. that about Katie? She doesn't know what the headlines are going to no. be when I read them. So I'm if here, you could, I'm real. Yeah, if you could see her off camera, she's like, like it's, she's it's trying funny. to hold it on some of these. Anyway, that's going to wrap it up uh, for our top headlines of the week. More satire next time, Katie. All right, well, if you are a fan of our show, please, hey, could you just take one moment to like, to comment? 
to share this video if you're watching it on social media. And then for David and myself, I just want to say thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. And thank you for supporting this show. Until next time, stay educated. Educated is directed and produced by Mike Menzel. Hosted by Katie Petrick and David Fiorazzo. Makeup and hair by Katie Scholl. Graphics designed by Dan Kaler. Educated is owned by Freedom Project Media. See other shows and content at freedomproject.com or download the Freedom Project Media app. Copyright 2023.